All right, guys, before we get into the episode today, let's just talk about our sponsor, Polar Pro, who we are stoked to have on this podcast as they've been innovating in the cinematography and content creation space for several years now, just like what we try to do on Learn Videography. So we're stoked to have them. And actually, Kyle has their latest base camp map box system. Yes, Kyle, sir. how is it? Oh, my gosh, JJ, I love this thing. The build quality is incredible, and how they are able to make this thing so light, I do not know. I don't understand <laughs> it, but I love it. Um, but first and foremost, guys, just to get you caught up here, if you don't know what a mat box is and why you need it, it's an accessory that attaches um, you know, oftentimes to NATO rails or the great thing about Polar Pro directly to your lens. Um, and it's going to allow you to do a lot of really cool things, but I'm gonna break it down into four quick sections for you. So number one, it's gonna allow you to do filtration. So having a matte box allows you to stack and use multiple filters, which is so incredible to allow you to really stylize and make unique images in camera. Number two, safety. Matbox is incredible gift to keep your precious lenses and glass safe. You know, oftentimes we're out on set, we're running around outside on a mountain, or, you know, we might just have to run around on the sidewalk and there might be a two foot drop to the street. Yeah. We don't expect if you trip and fall, you know, your glass might break, but with this guy, you're good to go. You know that your glass is going to be taken care of. Number three, and arguably the most important is a matte box is going to allow you to better control your light. As a cinematographer and DP, that is the ultimate goal, to be in full control of your light. A matte box is going to allow you to block unwanted light. And most specifically, you're probably gonna be using this outdoors. It's going to allow you to block that sunlight and prevent artifacts and haziness and other unwanted effects that you don't want coming into your lens. And lastly, number four, it just looks cool. It just makes you feel more badass on set. It's just so fun cool. to have. So cool. Yeah, totally. So you got to check them out. Go to polarpro.com. They offer free shipping, 60-day money-back guarantee, and so much more. Let them know that we sent you and show them some love. Thank you, Polo Pro, for your support. Now let's get into the episode. Let's do it. Three, two, one. Welcome to Learn Videography, a podcast dedicated to mastering the art and business of becoming a full-time videographer. Presented by Industry Jump. Hosted by director Kyle Loftus and producer JJ Englert. Let's go. Welcome back to Learn Videography, your podcast to learn everything you need to know about becoming a full-time videographer. As always, I'm here with my co-host, Kyle Loftus, and our special guest for today, Christopher Rhodes, a.k.a. Y Imaging, a content creator and business owner in Atlanta, Georgia. How are we doing, gentlemen? Yeah, I'm good, man. Glad to, glad to be here. Glad to have you here. Yeah, same, same. Love it. Excited for uh, season two. Glad to be back here. Yes, sir. Throughout this episode, we'll talk to Christopher, a.k.a. YC, about how he got started as a content creator and then discuss his journey of how he built a thriving personal brand, how he built multiple income streams, and everything else. We're super excited about this podcast. YC, thanks for joining us once again. Yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate you. Yes. I'm, I'm glad to, to be here once again. Hell yeah, man. So you know, first off, YC, if you could just you know take us right from the get-go, the beginning, you know, where did your journey as a filmmaker first begin? Okay, uh, from the beginning. So... Uh, before I got into filmmaking, I was a graphic designer. Uh, so I used to do a lot of uh, like mixtape covers and, and, and album covers for, for musicians. Um, and I eventually needed a camera so I can take more professional looking photos to cut people out for the designs. So I got a Canon T2i, I remember. And uh, I was basically just doing graphic design for a while. My brother was a musician. I used to do a lot of his designs. And one day we just switched the camera to video mode and and and, and went out and tried to do a music video. Uh, it, it sucked, obviously, but <laughs> I kind of fell in love with uh, the process of trying to figure out how to make it look better. And uh, yeah, it just it just intrigued me after that after that moment. So that's how I got into it. How, how long ago was that, YC? That was in around 2011. So going on a decade at this point. Hey, it's been a while. Hey. And so you started your first video there, but like, how did you progress through the ranks of like becoming who you are today? Yeah, so um, my brother was a musician. Like I said, I used to shoot all of his music videos. So uh, we experimented a lot 
um, and uh, some of his musician friends kind of saw me doing his videos and I got hit up one time to do a video. And at that time I wasn't charging. So, you know, it was it was crazy to me that somebody wanted to pay me to, to create a video. So I did my first music video, it was like 150 bucks. And then from there, that's what I charged, 150 bucks. And <laughs> I just, Love I, it. that you know, more people start seeing it. They saw that person's video, they wanted one. And then it just kind of, you know, spiraled and kept going. But uh, I had been creating music videos, like I said, since like 2011. It wasn't until around 2015, 16 that I, you know, decided to get into the YouTube space. But from there, it was just kind of word of mouth grinding, doing a lot of hashtag targeting online and, and venturing out to, you know, outer cities from where I'm from. Awesome, man. And so, you know, as you were building this career, you know, starting to shoot a bunch more music videos, making that, you know, 150, maybe some change on projects like in that process, were you already committed? Like, did you already know this is what I'm doing? I'm, I'm going like 100% all in on this? Or were you still doing like graphic design on the side? Like, wh- where were you at in mindset in regards to, uh, you know, that time in your life? Yeah, well, at that time, I was kind of doing everything. Um, I think like when everybody who gets a camera, they try to do everything. So you know, I say I was doing music videos, but I was kind of doing everything. So I might go to a club to recap, you know, a party or I might, you know, film a commercial for a small business or I might, you know, film a wedding. So I was kind of doing it all. So I was, you know, still carrying on my graphic design thing. But the thing with graphics for me, I was really good at it, but I couldn't produce the graphics fast enough. So, you know, if you pay me $50 to make a cover and I sit there and I spend 12 hours doing it, you know, it just didn't make sense financially yeah. because I wasn't able to produce, you know, it fast enough. And even though 150 bucks wasn't a lot of money, it was a lot more money than $50. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, you know, at the time it felt like I was I was making so much more money doing music videos. So I was all in, you know, I was doing pretty much everything with my camera at that point. How many and- videos do you think you shot for $150? Man, at least fifty to a hundred. Damn, you know, yeah, Damn. no, it was it was a lot of videos, and you know, it, it, uh, some of them were for free. You know, like yeah. I said, because I was experimenting yeah. a lot with my brother, and um, you know, it was just all in good fun at the time. Damn, and really felt like I was I was slaving until that sweat I that equity I was right there, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I did a lot of music videos for for super cheap but, uh, early on for sure. How how important do you think that was to where you are now, though? You know, just getting that that hands on experience, really grinding it out and and just, you know, finding out what works through literally sweat equity, just time and effort. Uh, I think it was vital. Like I, I learned a lot uh, because, you know, you eventually get tired of 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 slaving for the one hundred and fifty dollars and then you realize, OK, I'm doing this wrong. Um, so it was a lot that came with it. It was a, it was me sitting on set all day and waiting on other people and them not kind of taking my time serious. So I learned, okay, I need to charge more for this, or I need to, you know, weed out the people who are going to waste my time in this way. And it was also a lot of, uh, behind the scenes business, you know, aspects that I learned as well. Like, uh, you have a lot of people who say that they're going to shoot a music video on Saturday for 150 bucks. And so you expect that and, you know, you might come out of pocket and buy something for $150 and then that Saturday comes and then they don't hit you up. So, mm. you know, OK, now I got to charge for I got to charge a booking fee. You know, I got to charge. I got to get yeah. deposits. So, you know, yeah, I learned I learned a lot of vital things just shooting those videos and, and getting that uh, that experience in for sure. Yeah. And, and do you and, think during those original 50 to 100 videos, there was like you you've built your style of who you wanted to be as a content creator? No, <laughs> nah, nah, absolutely not. Nah, it was, it was, it was me trying everything. So, uh, I mean, at that time, it wasn't an influx of YouTube content at all. So, I'm just looking at major music videos, and I'm trying to figure out how to replicate what they're doing. I mean, in a sense, it, it, it taught me a lot on how to improvise and how to create looks without the actual, you know, piece like of it. gear that they yeah. use or equipment that they have available to me. But no, nah, I didn't have a style. I was just trying everything, honestly. Yeah. What, when do you think you started to like come into your own as a content creator? Like how many years after 2011 where it's like, yo, I'm good at this and like I can start charging a pretty penny? Um, 
I kind of always felt like that. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, but man. no, it, re- realistically, um, I mean, just judging off of like local talent wise, I always kind of felt like, okay, I'm the best person around here doing this. So, you know, I kind of felt that uh, all along in a sense. Yeah, but you were the guy. Probably. Yeah, yeah, probably a couple a couple of years after that, maybe like 20, 2013, 2014. Okay. And then this was in Virginia at the time, right? Yeah, yeah, still in Virginia for sure. Yeah. One of the things I find interesting is um one of the other guests that we've interviewed, he also did about 50 to 100 music videos in the beginning that were $100 a piece. And that was like his just school, you know, like really learning it and like the fact that he had to pump out just like you 50 to 100 videos before it's like, yo, I like, I'm good at this. I got my style. I'm ready to charge a pity penny. And then we have other younger content creators who are like, hey, I'm on my fifth or sixth video. When can I start charging 10 grand, you know? And it's like, it, right. it, it takes practice. Like, it doesn't come overnight. It takes years, as you can uh, uh, attest to. And it's just, yeah, I mean, that's 50 to 100 videos. That's a lot. But, like, after that, like, you know what you're doing for sure. You yeah. You know how to run this business. You know that you need these booking fees in advance you know what you need to like start really kind of scaling this and doing this at a much bigger scale no 100 percent. i think i think that that time is is vital i think if you if you get too big of a budget early on you're gonna overspend and like i said the fact that i'm i'm working on improvising and i'm learning how to create looks without the official piece of gear to create the look mm-hmm. i'm able to now save so much more money on an actual project with a big budget because it's like we don't need all this. We can do this this way. So yeah. you need that experience for sure. Yeah. What's up, guys? We're so excited to introduce to you our season-long sponsor, AudioSocket, a premier music licensing company. Now, they've been around for over 12 years, and they are an incredible resource for content creators. They have over 80,000 songs in the library, and the quality of the music is just top-notch. I mean, one of their songs was just featured in the latest trailer for the Disney movie Soul. Hey, hey, that's that's not it. You know, they got music in Amazon Prime's Hunter Show. They're in Zombieland Ooh. Double Tap. Uh, the list goes Let's go. on, JJ. They got incredible music. And I think one of the coolest aspects we, we have to talk about here is, is how much they really care and prioritize the artists. You know, it's so cool to have a company Ooh. involved in sponsoring with us this year. Um, you know, that really prioritizes the artist. They want to make sure that they have a successful career and longevity doing this. It's just, it's so cool that they, they support artists that way. And, and we're so yeah. glad to have their support on the podcast this year. Yeah. And with quality music like this, you'd expect really high price tags, but actually it's not. It's super affordable for all content creators. So check them out there at audiosocket.com and you will not regret it. Now let's get back to the episode. Let's do it. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Filmmaking feels, it feels like all it is, is, is creative problem solving. Like that truly is the job. That, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah. Oh man. So, you know, that's along exactly this journey, so, uh, you know, you're, you're developing, you're refining your craft. Uh, and obviously, yeah, I guess when, like at what point in developing your craft and, you know, growing and getting more clients, did you start to see the value in, in building out a personal brand and, you know, having a presence on Instagram and YouTube, having a voice in the community, um, sharing your knowledge? Like when, when did you start to see the value in that? And when did you start to really invest in that and why? Um, okay. Uh, early on, you know, in those earlier years where, where I was doing music video content, Instagram wasn't I don't want to say Instagram wasn't a thing, but Instagram was just iPhone photos. You know what I mean? So yeah. right. you couldn't even put you couldn't even put videos on Instagram yeah, for a different. long time. And then, you know, once we did get video capabilities, I believe it was like 15 seconds or something. It was super short. Yeah. Um, and, and I remember that because as soon as we got the feature on Instagram, I, I started to create like music video previews for my artists to kind of set them apart from other musicians. And it kind of all circles back to my graphic design experience that I was able to do this. And I feel like that in itself was something that helped me set myself apart from other people who were doing it. But like I said, early on, it wasn't really a presence on Instagram or, you know, you, you could do Twitter, but Twitter, you couldn't really share media there either. It was like mm-hmm. TwitPics. So mm-hmm. uh, I didn't even really have a YouTube presence or a social media presence like that at all early on. It was, 
really just grinding off of a website and creating reels, like reels were like a, a thing. So basically what I would do to kind of get myself out there back there in those times was I would use Twitter and I would use Instagram, but it wasn't in the sense that we use it now. Now we use it as a visual portfolio. Mm-hmm. Back then what I would do is I would create my own music video reels. I would upload them to my YouTube channel and then I would literally go on Instagram or Twitter and I would hashtag target musicians. So here in mm-hmm. Virginia, well, in Virginia, what I would do is I would go into the search and I would do pound Virginia rapper or pound Virginia musician or pound DC musician. And what I would do is I would find every musician. I would listen to their song and I would DM them and say, hey, you got some really cool tracks. Check out my work. I'll yep. come out, I'll shoot you a music video. And I would do it at a discount rate just so I can get into those different spaces sure. and get that word in my going. Sure. And we did that everywhere. Like I remember one time me and my, my buddy uh, C. Ryan, we went to Oklahoma City because he had a booking out there and we were able to find six other artists to shoot music videos for us just off of hashtag targeting. Damn. So that was like my grind <laughs> at that time. It wasn't, That's awesome. you know, I'm going to put my music video on Instagram because it wasn't, you know, Instagram wasn't that. So yeah, yeah but- that was the grind at the time. At the time, like you were putting together these like hype promos for your artists that you're shooting videos for ahead of time, which is like way ahead of what we're doing now. Uh, but that was mm-hmm. just for free, right? Like you just wanted to get it out there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. it was. It was. It was uh, an added incentive uh, to get the bookings. Like, yeah. oh well, yeah, I can also provide you with this. You know, this promo for your your video. Yeah, like you going above and beyond there to like really make sure that you they succeed in any way you can help them. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's just like a key, like underlining message from the very beginning that like you've always been, you know, trying to do whatever you can for your clients to succeed. You know, even if it's just a $150 video, you're still promoting them. You're still, you know, delivering for them, you know, at your highest level. So when you take on that project, it's like the best you can give them. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. I think that's, it's, it's important, you know, whether you're getting 10 grand or getting $10, yeah (laughs) you know you got to give that clown what they're trying to get so how did you start to build your personal brand to where it is today because i mean today you have a thriving personal brand i love it i love everything about it like but it's probably taken you many years to get there so like when did you start to know like hey i'm gonna really start investing in this and how did you start to differentiate yourself from other people with your personal brand okay so i have like an extensive background in graphic design i hate to keep saying it but I think that that is definitely something that has made it a lot easier for me to personally brand myself. I can create my own logos. I can create my own promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wouldn't say that my brand really started to pop off or pick up until I got onto YouTube and I started to create YouTube okay. content. Um, and it, like I said, it wasn't a, it wasn't an abundance of tutorial based content around music videos or filmmaking at all on YouTube at the time. You had like the big ones like Freddie Wong and, you know, you got Final Cut King and then you have like Film Ride and those sorts of people like that. But it wasn't until I saw like Jacob Owens hey. get on YouTube and post behind the scenes for his music videos. I'm like, dang, this looks cool. I want to do this. So I kind of just follow his path. Like, you know, I started to get on YouTube and I started to create behind the scenes for my music videos and the abundance of people just coming onto it, you know, it just kind of spread throughout all of my platforms, like my Instagram, my my Twitter. Um, So yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't until I got onto YouTube that I I saw the, the, wildfire spread of of my brand but as far as building it it's just been an evolution honestly um looks evolve all the time you know back then it was just iphone photos and now instagram is a perfection (laughs) portfolio so i just kind of been rolling with it but it's been easier for me though because i have a, a background in graphic design yeah and with your youtube channel like what kind of videos were you putting out and like how consistently were you putting those out to actually build that channel uh, yeah, so when I first started my YouTube channel, uh, I was doing vlogs, and a lot of my vlogs were just behind the scenes of my music videos. So uh, I bought a GoPro, and I would basically just strap the GoPro to my head or to my chest, and I would just show me shooting a music video. I would do like a picture-in-picture showing the mm-hmm. what the, the shot looked like that I was actually filming, and me actually filming it. Uh, and it wasn't until like... I started to dive into the post production process of it all that like my following started to go crazy because people love like 
I was color grading my, my projects and people were like, yo, how do you do this? Or how did you do this effect? Or how did you do this transition? Mm-hmm. So once I started to dive into that process of it and showing those tutorials based content like that, that's when like, you know, I started getting thousands of subscribers. But early on in my YouTube channel, I was just basically uploading vlogs. It was vlogs, anything. I could be with my family. I could be doing behind the scenes. I could be talking about a filmmaking topic, a life topic. Um, but I was very consistent on YouTube. I was uploading almost every single day on YouTube for wow. almost a year. Wow. Yeah, a long time. Holy smokes, that's a lot of work. That's dedication, too. Sheesh. How many videos in total do you have in your YouTube library? I actually don't know. That's a good question. I don't. I actually don't know how many YouTube videos I've uploaded. That would be yeah. very interesting for me to check. Yeah, to see. you should look it up, man. <laughs> I have like five hundred and forty or something like that. It's ridiculous. Five forty? <laughs> wow. Hold on, man. You got uh, way more than me, though. I would this love out. to know. How you got to have like a thousand, man. <laughs> I mean, how how would I see? It, it should show that if you so, just like go to your YouTube even, studio. I don't even, if you okay, go to your, let me go to my YouTube studio real quick. Yeah, if you go to the YouTube studio and then just like, you might have to go to like your last page, but at the bottom it should just say like video four of like, again, like 750 or 540 or anything like that. But, uh, you know, with, with your YouTube, so once you saw uh, so this says, giant flood of, go ahead. No, my bad. I was looking through this. My bad. What'd you say? <laughs> no, you're good. Um, I was going to say, you know, once you saw this, this giant flood of people coming in, you know, from, from seeing this BTS content, what did you, what did you do off, off of that? Like, how did you capitalize off of that, that influx, that flow of people coming in? Like, did you just, again, like decide to, you know, take 20% of your time away from graphic design or other things you were doing and like invest more in YouTube or like what direction did that lead you to take with with your content and just like your overall business structure once you saw that just random flood of people coming into your YouTube? Uh, yeah, so I actually, I laid off of the, the graphics. Um, I stopped offering a service to people. Obviously I still do my own graphic design, but once I started to really, really invest a lot of time into my video production and the YouTube, I, I just totally laid off graphics. I stopped offering a service. So that was the first thing I did. Uh, the second thing that I did was um, I kind of, I listened to community feedback. A lot of people, they were like, yo, like, how did you do this? Or how did you do this? And how did you do that? And it's a lot easier for you to just create one central thing that answers 50 questions than to answer 50 individual questions. So I took another book out of Jacob Owen's page and I made like a music video director guide. And I basically just went through like super simple concepts on certain gear I used and certain uh, filmmaking knowledge when it comes to like certain aperture setups and lighting setups and all that. So I put it into a guide and I basically just listened to the community and answered every single question that I would get in my my comment section on a daily basis. Um, And aside from that, I also was creating LUTs and stuff like that to sell. Uh, But it was kind of just on a whim. It was just like, I got all this stuff on my computer. Let me just export it and see what it does. And I put out a LUT pack and it just, it made me a couple hundred bucks. And I'm like, dang, that's crazy. Uh, so once I, I, I saw the possibility in making that, that passive income in that space, I just started to go in, go like, yeah, like go like full, like full throttle with it. Yeah. yeah. But man, I mean, selling, selling a LUT pack, especially today, you know, I'm, I'm not sure when you first sold like your first LUT pack, but today, I mean, there's so mm-hmm. many different places to, to find a, a LUT pack and so many different companies are offering it for free. So I think nowadays mm-hmm. what it really takes, you know, is, is being a really genuine brand and personality and, and someone that people really trust, trust in and rely on. So um, I think that speaks a lot to, to yourself and your character as well. So I'd love to just, I guess this might be hard to answer, but knowing any insight you have on just, you know, how you were able to, have a genuine voice and build an audience that is genuinely engaged and interested in what you have to say. You know, I think that's, that's so important when, when, with building a brand, you know, it's not just getting the numbers, but it's having an audience that actually cares about what you have to say is, is tuning in consistently is, is following your direction or your lead and, and investing here or, or trying out this product, et cetera. Good question. Um, yeah, so at the time, like right now, like you said, the landscape has drastically changed. You can get LUTs from anywhere. 
you get less for free. It's the million different people selling less. But at the time, I, well, that, what, that really wasn't the case. Um, it was a lot less, you know, options and availability on black packages you can purchase in, in other places. Um, but as far as me, um, I guess having a voice and, and, and having something that people want to consistently check in on with, with my content, I think the thing that makes my content, uh, I guess, what do I want to say, consumable? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know, but I think the thing that 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 with my content that I always think about is relatability. Um, people oh, to be able to to relate to to the content, and for for a long time, I've always wondered why some of the biggest producers in the world, or some of the biggest directors in the world, don't get on YouTube because people would absolutely love their content but then i it, it goes back to me like relatability if i see or like if if some of my followers see dave myers make a tutorial about a music video he created no shade of dave myers obviously <laughs> but if if he made if he made a, a tutorial on on one of his recent videos that he did for travis scott he has to explain okay i had 30 people on set and then i have 20 people in this department and 10 people in this department then i got an editor and a colorist and all of this you don't understand this if you just got your ca- your first camera you can't relate to it right. you know what i mean it seems yeah. so far beyond your your mental space that it's just like yo this will never ever happen whereas if you see me with this exact same camera and lens that you have and i'm creating content that looks like how you want your content to look then you can relate to it so i think that's one of the things that keeps people connected to my content it's not big on a scale that it's unrealistic to them you know so i think that that's one of the huge things in the youtube space like real filmmakers i don't want to say real filmmakers but but hollywood filmmakers aren't really on youtube and in youtube creators aren't really in Hollywood. They're like, it's like a barrier between the two <laughs> things. You know what I mean? Right. Not to say that YouTube filmmakers aren't real filmmakers, but you know, Hollywood filmmakers don't make YouTube videos. It is different. Yeah. It's, it's different, you know? Yeah. And it's a reason for that because the audience and the people there can't understand or grasp the concept of how big a production can actually be. So I think that's one of the main reasons that people relate to my content. Yeah, especially on YouTube. I feel like that's definitely the demographic for YouTube is those younger, hungry artists that are looking to make a name for themselves and to learn skills, you know? And yeah, um, yeah, I feel like that you really kind of bunkered into that. But also, like, you were smart. You you listened to what people were saying, you know? And you, you gave them what they wanted. If they asked you 50 questions, you put out a guide that answered all 50 questions, you know? And I yeah. think that's really essential to building an engaged following. People that want to interact with you is like, make sure they know they're being heard you know you can't listen or respond to everybody but if you can engage with them and if you can get them the answers that they want there's a connection that's being built there and the more you can do that the more engaged people that you can get following you and so that way when you come out with that LUT pack you've already answered four or five questions for them you've done them solids they love your work they want to give you a solid back and then that's when they buy it you know and that that connection is formed and I think a lot of brands have a tough time with that. It's like, hey, I'm a brand. I don't need to answer all these comments. We're going to put out a product and just hope people buy it. But it's like right. if you don't have an engaged following, they're not going to buy it. You know, Why should they? There's a million other things on the market. They don't need to buy your product. You know? Yeah. The audience is always telling you what they need. <laughs> you have like these big brands who are constantly like, make this, make this, make this, fix this, fix this, fix this. And then the brand drops a product and goes totally left field and totally ignores everything that people want. And it's just like, why? Yeah. You know, so you have to connect with the audience to an extent. They already are telling you what they want. They're literally sitting there with their wallet out. Hey, drop this. I'll buy it. Yeah. So, yeah, you got to listen to people. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And. Uh, you know, why well, see uh, for our listeners here, you know, why is it so important? You know, let, let's say, for example, scenario, we've got we've for sure got listeners in here that their their goal is to be a music video director. Um, you know, they want to work, let's say, you know, they want to go out to LA, they want to work on some big sets and some of the biggest artists in the industry. Why, why would they build a personal brand? Why is it, what, what is the value from your opinion and your experience thus far in your career and building a personal brand and having a voice and 
and answering your community, you know, developing content for a community of people that might not necessarily be music artists, but they also might be content creators, filmmakers. Where's, where's the value in that from a business perspective and a branding perspective? I almost feel like the two don't really correlate to an extent. Um, I like, I don't think you need a following at all to be a, a thriving director in, in, in Hollywood or in LA, honestly. Yeah. Uh, it's benefit there, obviously. Uh, I think one of the, the major benefits that I've seen some of the other music videos do, not the music video, the music video directors do in the indie spaces, they've created an audience so large around the content that they put out that artists want to get on board because it's extra viewership for them. Yep. You yep. see people like Cole Bennett, who has created a YouTube channel and a, and a brand that has millions of followers to the point where he can literally blow an artist up himself. So as a musician who's on the up, the you know the, on the on the come up, they see this and they say, okay, well I can get him to shoot my video and he can put me in front of millions of his fans and they can be potentially true. be converted into fans of my own. Yep. Um, so I think that's one of the obvious ways that you can make it work. Yeah. Uh, but. I mean, look Beyond at Jacob that. Owens with like futuristic, you know? Right. Those two yeah, came Jacob up Owens. together, uh, and yep. now like any up and coming hip hop hip hop artist, I assume if they got on Jacob Owens' channel, they could have a huge following from what they like futuristic. They like you know this up and coming hip hop artist for sure. Yeah, it's an added incentive for musicians to come shoot with you if you can if you can add that extra exposure for them. Yeah, and it's 100%. not guaranteed that it'll convert, but. At the end of the day, it's, it's more of an opportunity to convert than not having it. And how much is having, uh, you know, having this extra educational content behind the scenes, like how much has that helped you book or is, is that hard to gauge for you? You know, I, from speaking for myself, you know, like over the past, you know, three to four years of making sure I have like BTS for every set. I mean, I've just seen an exponential growth of, uh, you know, the clientele that come to me and a lot of them talk about how they come to me is because they were able to go onto my channel and, you know, see all this behind the scenes content and really get to see my personality on set and like my style and my actual process. And so that's why they decided to book with me. I'm just curious, like how much is and good putting looks. out this additional content and such, like how much has that helped you? Good luck. Is that what you said? Uh, I think tremendously. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I honestly, I think tremendously. And I, I think I think from the biggest standpoint is some musicians don't know what it takes to create a music video. And that's why they might come at you with such a low budget because they think you just pull out with your camera and just shoot them. But if you yeah. have behind the scenes content and you showing them, we setting these lights up, we using this scene this way, we got these flags, yeah. we got all these people looks on official. set, we doing all this and that. It looks big, you yeah. know? And people want to be a part of that. They want yeah. their content to be big and they want, you know, their, their their music video to be big. So I think it's been tremendous. If you have behind the scenes content, you're able to justify a price increase and 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 also get additional money to rent gear and have extra people on set. It looks better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just marketing for future videos. Yeah. It's branding, marketing, 100%. everything. It's and it's also marketing for that artist as well. Like they want to see maybe some behind the scenes stuff for their audiences as well. You know, so that's yeah. like they get two videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like Kyle and I, you know, throughout the whole first season of season one, we interviewed like 15 different creators and every creator was like behind the scenes, bro, behind the scenes. Like, this is how I'm getting my following. This is how I'm getting new clients. This is how I'm getting yeah. the majority of my new work is behind the scenes. It's crazy that it's working so well, but it just seems like that's one of the things that is really helping young content creators and content creators just really excel right now behind the scenes 100 percent, man people people want to see the process i've had i've had videos i've had final music videos drop and the behind the scenes will get double the views of the final product yep. Yep. It's, people just want to see the process yeah same bro or sometimes same. the behind the scenes videos are just even better than the final product too yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, you know you, you you shoot a music video you got behind the scenes content or I, I guess just in general i want to talk about you know how do you repurpose content um you know and, and how do you create multiple avenues for you to profit off of so again you know you have a music video but just from that one music video you could build in that you know graphic design package uh, a promo package behind the scenes photos having that bts content you know distributing on youtube like how do you personally repurpose the content you create in different avenues 
And then I guess just overall, mm-hmm. could you would love to just dive into, you know, how to build out multiple revenue streams um, and what what kind of different revenue streams you might have going on right now for your business? OK, uh, so repurposing content for me, uh, it can be an array of different things. I've I've tried the. I've tried the community route where like you you have Patreon where it's a subscription based model. Right. Where right. you have exclusive behind the scenes content and you know you charge people a monthly fee to check that content out. I've tried that. Um but on YouTube, like I can repurpose behind the scenes. Like I have one music video and I can turn it into like five other videos. I can do strictly behind the scenes. I can do equipment rentals, how, how and where I got the gear. And then I can do uh, editing breakdown where I talk about the color grading and the effects layouts and the effects and all that stuff like that. Um, and then you, you have other platforms like Instagram where if you have a behind the scenes shot, you can do before and afters where you show yourself shooting the shot and then you have the actual shot, you know, top, bottom look of it. So uh, yeah, I mean, repurposing content behind the scenes is like vital for my business strategy. And the fact that I can get revenue off of YouTube for repurposing this content, uh, it it allows me to take on certain projects for a cheaper rate, knowing that I'll get paid more money um, on the side of YouTube and content creation from it. Yeah, right, 100%. right. So you have music videos, um, kind mm-hmm. of your predominant video production. You've got YouTube and you sell digital products. Is there any other kind of revenue streams you have coming in in relation to your, your video production business? Um, so I have, you know, just a general video production, which will sit with music videos or commercial work, whatever I decide to do for brands. I got YouTube. Uh, YouTube is kind of a multiple stream thing. You know, obviously you have ad revenue, but you have sponsorships as well. Yeah. Um, and then you got digital products. Digital products can be an array of different things. Let's go. You do, uh, you do affiliate sales as well. Are you affiliate? Yeah, affiliate marketing. Right yeah, on. affiliate marketing too. I do. Uh, one of the most popular is Amazon affiliates. Uh, but I, I pretty much affiliate for every like plat, uh, service that I use for my YouTube channel. So music that I use, I do affiliate marketing for that. I do uh, affiliate marketing for... Video? Stock video maybe? Stock video. I do affiliate marketing for... Websites? Uh, like, all sorts of websites. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, all sorts of websites. It's a lot of affiliate marketing, though, for sure. Amazon's probably like the most common one because everybody purchases something from Amazon. Yeah. 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 You talked about uh, Patreon. Was that successful for you or what did you find with uh, building up a channel there? I actually did find it like very successful. The reason I decided to quit my Patreon, though, one of the biggest reasons was that I didn't want to put a paywall between the content and the people. Okay. So I, I kind of. I wanted the content out to the masses, you know, I would rather everybody see it. It might not make as much money, but I feel like over time it might get more people and, you know, it'll be a a bigger home run for revenue. I also just wanted people to see it. And then the second thing was I I wasn't producing as frequent as the schedule that I originally, um, I guess, signed people up portrayed to people. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. So I was telling people, oh, yeah, we're going to break down a, a, a project that I do every month. But at that time, I was kind of slowing down a little bit. So I didn't want to have to have that pressure of, OK, I got to find something just for this content, something that I wasn't necessarily passionate about. Mm-hmm. So I just decided to end it. But it was it was very successful. I had a, a, a lot of people subscribe to it and people loved it. And people were even down to wait until my next project. But I was just like, nah, I can't I can't have y'all sitting here. I might take two two months for me to make a video yeah that's a lot of pressure on you yeah 100 percent. so i just you know just decided to quit it what does your like weekly or daily breakdown look like is it like you know 20 percent finding new clients or 20 percent youtube 30 percent instagram 40 percent editing like if you could give like a average breakdown of what your typical day or week looks like what would that be uh, I don't know where it would sit percentage wise. I can just give y'all like a daily breakdown though. Like what I do on a daily basis. So let's do it. Uh, a couple, eight months ago, I just, I just had a, a, a son. So now I have a baby in the house, which kind of yeah. like congrats to you. Tweaked my schedule. Yeah. We got two my daddies on the pod so, here. Yeah. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but before that, I would just kind of just, you know, get up and just go at it however long I needed to. But now I have to shift my schedule so that I'm able to get what I need done and that my wife is able to get what she needs done. And then I also have that time to provide and do whatever I need to do with family. So what I've been doing on a daily basis, and I know this is not going to be ideal for the majority of people, but it's been helping me a ton. And I'm going to tell you why. So now every single day I wake up at 5 a.m. Feel that. And I, I, I edit or work on whatever sort of video production needs that I need to do from 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. And then I work out from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. And then everything after that is just family. So, yeah, so I'm just doing whatever I need to do for the family, make sure my wife gets to do her workout, do whatever she needs to do. Um, But the 5 to 10 thing, before I initially did it, I was thinking like, man, this isn't enough time for me to work. But one thing that I realized, though, is if I have to edit and I allow myself an unlimited amount of hours, I'm just going to BS off like four or five hours just scrolling YouTube or Instagram or doing whatever. Checking your phone. So the fact that I only have five, I put uh, like I put maximum effort into getting what I need done in those five hours. And then also the time five to 10 a.m., nothing's happening online. Nobody's posting. It's nothing. Mm -hmm. It's no distractions at all. My house is completely silent. I got notifications going off on my phone. Like, I'm good. So I just find that that first five hours is just so solid. I got a fresh brain. I get a cup of coffee, some water. I just sit down at the desk and I just edit or do what I need to do for the five hours. And I've been actually producing a lot more content than me having 12 hours to do it, you know? I love it. I love it. And like the editing stuff, is it just mostly YouTube and Instagram promos and like behind the scenes stuff and to build those kind of revenue channels? Yeah, well, the five hours can consist of a bunch of different things. Most of the time, it's me trying to finish an edit. So it could be an edit for a YouTube video, or it could be an edit for a music video, or a client project, or a sponsorship. But it can also consist of me having to edit photos for my my, my Instagram account or creating digital product throughout that time frame. It's more so me just breaking down that five hours into productive tasks that I need to do. But I, yeah. I only work for five hours, though. <laughs> Once that five hours gone, yeah. I'm not on the computer anymore. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, man. Like, how did you go about building that healthy work-life balance? Because I feel like this is a topic that so many individual content creators struggle with because they're just so busy. They have to do so much, you know, and it's hard to make rent and whatnot. And so uh, I think, one, it's, you're fortunate that you're able to get there. But two, I think you're um, extremely mature to know that you need to build out this healthy work-life balance to succeed as a content creator and for your own personal goals. So like, how did this come about? Was it strictly that that's all you have? Or is it just like, no, I like, how did you go about building this healthy work-life balance? Um, good question. Honestly, I, before my, my last son, um, I was kind of just freestyling today. So yeah. I'm, I might want to work in the morning. I might want to go work out in the morning. And it's just, once I have, once I had that restriction there with my son mm-hmm. and me having to be considerate of my wife and allowing her to do things that she needed to do, mm-hmm. it just forced me to get on a, a strict schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, I was just freestyling. You know what I mean? Like, I can't say I had the, the most healthy work-life balance um, I was kind of just freestyling. So I might work for 14 hours or I might work for two hours, Yeah, you know, but I think now having a schedule, it, it, it makes me feel more fulfilled personally mm-hmm. because would I you know go that, back to the old okay. way if you could, or do you, are you much happier and, and see much more success with, uh, your current kind of process and daily routine? I'm going to say no and yes. So what if, if I could go backwards, what I would do is I would have a schedule, but I would have more hours of work there. Yeah. 100%. If, yeah. I, if I could work more, I would work more 100%. I would love to. Yeah. But I don't like the freestyling aspect of it. I have to have some sort of method to the madness or everything gets jumbled. I hate when I'm sitting down at the desk and I'm editing and I just get into something. And then I got to go do something else. I, I got to go get food for my son or yeah. I got to go pick something up or I got to yeah. hop on a call. Or I got to like, you know what I mean? I need so like, good. Yeah, man. sometimes you need like an hour to get into an edit. Sometimes yeah. you need that, you know? Yeah. So I need a time block put out for me. So, I mean, it works for me. Like I yeah. said, I know a lot of people it wouldn't work for. But one thing that I would recommend, man, is 
if you are a creator and you don't have obligations, like you don't have a kid or you don't have to go to work or you don't have a girlfriend or a wife that you have to attend to, work, work. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm so envious of those people, man. And I see so many people just wasting the opportunities and not having obligations. Like, man, if I didn't have a kid or a wife or, you know, uh, I didn't have to pay rent for a house and a car, I would probably be in like Thailand living out of a backpack. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> if you don't have obligations, man, shh, experiment with everything, man. Travel the world and do what you need to do, yo, because it's going to come a time where you're just knee deep in obligations and you're not able to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> yo. Yeah, I, I feel that. I mean, I, I have a 19-month-old girl, and uh, so I've, yeah, it's, I mean, I was originally that person that just worked all day, you know? And mm-hmm. I and I loved working all day. Like, that was good for me. I had really no work-life balance at the time, but- you know, just mm-hmm. like you, you know, having a kid kind of forced that work-life balance on me because I was no longer the main priority she was, you know, and so like, how can I fit my work into her day? Um, and it's challenging, you know, but it's also it the is. best thing, you know, and it's like, it's like, yes, like you have your time to work, but when like this next stage comes around, like embrace it, make the most of it, you can still kick ass, you can still make amazing things happen. Um, so don't be scared of it, but when you have that time to work, make the most of it, you know? Yeah, you have to. Yeah. 100%, man. You have yeah. to. Yeah. You know, like, find yourself, find your style, find what you like to do, put yourself in a schedule, hold yourself accountable, and grow and make awesome new content to push you to that next level to make sure that you're opening doors for yourself so you have more options in the future. You have more choices of where you want to go. And I think that will lead you to success and let you pick your own path from there. Nah, hundred percent, man. That's yeah, that I'm schedule has been something that's helped me tremendously for sure. And also just letting letting go of like the the I guess the the search for of perfection. Ew, you're never gonna one. find it. You're, you're yeah. never gonna find. You're never gonna get perfect. So yeah, you know, good enough is is better than 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 perfect. Yeah, because you're never gonna get there. Yeah, and and that's coming from someone that has like a, a spotless brand, you know, and like. If you're saying that you haven't hit perfection yet, then it's like, yo, you're never going to hit it. <laughs> so never. You'll never hit perfection. It, I think never, it's good man. to strive, you know, for it. But just know, like, if you don't hit it, that's fine because you're never going to. But keep on striving and keep on yeah. trying to give everything you got your best. Make sure your clients, you're going above and beyond for them. Give them everything you got. Set them up for success because if you do, that one client is going to tell a lot more people about you. And that's how you get that word of mouth marketing going. Yeah, I think I think if you're not like if you're not at least a little bit disappointed with your end product, you're probably not aiming high enough. There you go. <laughs> you got to you got to be at least a little bit disappointed. Like, ah, I could have did this better. You got to yeah. at least have that, man. Yeah. It's Martin Scorsese who says, like, if, if you're not if you don't feel like vomiting after your first rough cut, then you're not doing it right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, so now that you're now that you got this uh, schedule routine and you've like found that you really enjoy this, I'm curious, do you have you started to like implement batch um, batch methodology into like your process in regards to like. So, for instance, like if you have YouTube content, do you like batch all of that into like just Monday and like you dedicate that five hours of Monday to completing your YouTube content and then like Tuesday uh, commercial videos or. Like, is there is there any more, I guess, focus structure um, outside of like that five hour block? Um, I mean, I'm just curious, like and more into your process of like how to be optimize your business and just be as efficient and effective as possible. Yeah, uh, no, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't I don't have any like daily routines like, oh, Monday I got to do this because my, my creative process is so like random. So I might not have a YouTube video mm-hmm. for a week or it might not be for two weeks. Um, so I, I just, I'm more so just go off of the immediate things that I need to do. I might need to, I might need to change my website that, you know, this day, or I might need to uh, do, do calls or, you know, I might need to edit a music video or, you know, so it's, it's kind of all over the place. I don't really designate certain days to certain, to, to, to certain tasks, but Majority of the time, it is a YouTube edit, though. It's okay. Yeah, I got to do this YouTube edit for today. Yeah, 
when uh with like your affiliate marketing and your sponsors and everything like how did how did you get them is that something that you proactively outreached and got and got them or they reached out to you like how did you go about building up that those additional sponsors and revenue opportunities uh sponsorships honestly were never a thing that i actively seek for um i was just obsessed with the subscriber number for a little bit Okay. Um, and I think in turn, if 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 you focus on growing your audience, sponsors will come out of the woodworks. Mm-hmm. They will. Yep. Like they will. Like I think, I think not to say that you shouldn't focus on sponsorships, but if you're creating good content consistently and you're growing at a steady rate, you will have subscribers that will. I mean, you will have uh, sponsorships that that you know just come to you. Just provide the place for them to contact you at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what would like an average like sponsorship deal look like? You don't have to give out any hard numbers or anything, but like, what would that deal look like so can, uh, content creators can know like when they receive the first one, like how they should approach it? When you get your first sponsorship opportunity, it's never going to be for money. <laughs> <laughs> never, it's never going to be for money. Like never ever. Company, companies are just they know that if they don't have to pay you, they won't pay you. And as a creator, just starting out, you you begin to think that that's normal because that was me when I first started out. I thought that, okay, all these other people are just doing this video in exchange for the product. It wasn't until I started to go to like these, uh, these, 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 these events with other YouTubers. So like Sony has events all the time where you go and you test out the new camera and, you know, you stay there for a week or a weekend or whatever, and just amongst other YouTubers. It wasn't until I started going to these events that I noticed like, oh, I am doing this wrong. So, you know, we're at a table and we're just eating dinner and everybody's just talking about sponsorships and, you know, people spitting on numbers. Oh, I did this for this much and this company paid me this mm-hmm. much money. And I'm I'm like, they paid you what? <laughs> Man, I did this for I ain't got no money. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it wasn't until I start you I talk you talk to other people you don't know. But you start to think it like that that's a normal thing. So when you first start now, I I honestly highly doubt that you would get offered any money for a video. It's usually just an exchange for a product, but it's up to you to kind of negotiate those things. At this point in, in my YouTube career, I actually have a company who does all of my deals. So they do all negotiation and they you know, outreach and do rates and all of that stuff for a small percentage of the final price for mm-hmm. the sponsorship. That's awesome. That's awesome. What would like an average deal look like? Um, so people know like, hey, is this something that I want to strive for in the future? You mean like a price wise? Yeah. Um, psh, psh, uh, The highest deal that I've ever done, I'll just go on like the super high end. Um, I think the highest sponsorship deal that I've ever done was around 10 grand. Okay. Um, at my size, but I know people who are working it harder and getting more money. Mm-hmm. It's just some people can offer a little bit more to companies. I think the more that you can offer, uh, you can get paid more. So if you have an audience on Instagram, you can also leverage that mm-hmm. within a deal, um, for a sponsorship yeah. opportunity. Yeah. You know, so it it can go up and down, and it's it's also certain deals that offer a piece of equipment that you might want that you already were thinking about purchasing. So then you yeah. do collateral with the price of that product and, and, uh, you know, a little bit of money, but the highest deal that I've worked, um, was around 10 grand. It was super easy too. It was for like a, a Instagram post. Okay. Damn. Sheesh. Uh, nice cheddar. So 2021 it's early on. What are your goals for 2021? Like how are you positioning yourself to really attack this year? And, and where do you see yourself going? For 2021, I want to really focus in on creating content that helps other people. I think throughout the majority of 2020, I kind of created content for my own personal benefit, Um, whether it was monetary gain or whether it was just, you know, creating more subscribers to get monetary gain from for sponsorships. I think I, I kind of want to go back to my roots and create more content that is centered around people taking something from it. And I think overall it'll have a bigger impact on my content and it will eventually make more money. It's just looking at it from a different way. So I want to really focus in on my production, uh, create a lot more behind the scenes, create more, uh, a lot more tutorials around the content and just give it away to people. You know, no money, no cash exchange in hand. Here, here it is, you know. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I want to I want to really do that and, and, and help create a bigger following for myself in that way. Yeah. Love it, man. Would you say um, like, um, sorry, Kyle, just one sec. Would you say like go for it. 50% of your work is like shoot to hire videos where you're shooting videos and 50% is YouTube building your brand? Or would you say 80% is YouTube building your brand, 20% is shoot to hire? Like what is the ratio for you now? I think it's more on the 80-20 side where I'm creating 80% of my content for YouTube and 20% okay. of my content is freelance uh, hire work. Yep. Um, but I want I want to even those percentages out this month. I mean, not this month, yeah. this year. Um, even if it's not to like a monetary even out, I just want to have more freelance projects that bleed yeah. over into YouTube. You yeah, know? keeps it new, original, creative, more content, more work. Yeah, yeah. I'm also learning more too. I find it very hard for me to teach somebody something if I'm not out in the field learning something. So. Yeah. I, that's one thing I try not to ever do on my YouTube channel. I try not to teach theory. A lot of people teach theory. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they say, oh, if you go do this, this will happen. But if you've never actually done it, you then you don't know, you know? Mm-hmm. So I try to teach my from my own personal experience. If I fail here, okay, I'm going to tell you I fail here and don't do this. And if I succeeded here, this is how I succeeded doing this. So I want to go out and create more of that freelance work so I can have more stuff to teach people from my own personal experience. And, you know, with having having such a big percentage of your audience or, or excuse me, your focus being with YouTube, you know, 80 percent at this point, you know, how do you deal with I guess there has to be some pressure, right, to, to perform and, and to put out new videos and better videos and more interesting. So um, for, for those that are listening that are interested in building you know, a big YouTube channel and growing their following, um, what, what are some of the methods you use for, you know, getting new ideas for, for getting that creative spark? Um, and kind of in tandem with that, I'm, I'm curious, you know, do you have any, um, mentors or I know you mentioned, uh, you had some peers uh, at some events that you talked to or there, how often are you talking to other creatives or potential mentors and seeking their advice for, Hey, do you think this video will work? Or what are your thoughts on this? You know, is, is that a part of your process as well? Or, or would you recommend that to the listeners? Um, I, th- I think the biggest way to stay creative and to stay with new and fresh ideas is to try new things. It's easy and it's comfortable to stay in your space and do what you've been doing that's been working, but it eventually gets stale if you don't do something else. And, and for me, I find it very hard to come up with ideas for YouTube content if I'm not actually out shooting something. So I, f- I feel like it's very important to also have a freelance career outside of YouTube. Um, like, it's cool to do YouTube full time and that be your only grind. But like, if you only create, if you only do YouTube and you make filmmaking content, you have to actually do filmmaking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. At some point, so, yeah. Yeah, at some point you have to do some sort of filmmaking or unless you're just you're just going to be teaching theory. So yeah. for for me, like I said, when I'm not out in the field and actually doing projects, I don't really have anything to teach. Mm-hmm. So I think it really all boils back down to trying new things and, and figuring out what works and what doesn't work. You know, and a lot of times you miss. It is what it is, you know? Think yeah. about YouTube is you can just upload another video. There you go. <laughs> and some of the times some of the times when you miss, it wasn't even a miss, it's just not popular yet. Yeah. Sometimes you're ahead of the curve and then like two months later, it's like, oh, this video has two hundred thousand views now. So yeah, you gotta try out new stuff. But as far as me like, you know, conversing with other YouTubers and mentors and stuff like that. Uh, my I, I chat with my buddy creative Ryan a lot and we collaborate a lot on YouTube content of mine and his as well. But I really don't get too much feedback on ideas. I just attack them. Mm-hmm. It's like I said, it's either going to work or it's not. So yeah, this is what it is. If I come up with an idea, I try to do it as fast as possible so I don't talk myself out of it. It's very easy to talk yourself right out of something if right you sit on. on it for too long. It's like, Ah, this idea is actually stupid. I'm not going to do it. But if you just attack it instantly, you know, you don't give yourself that opportunity to talk yourself out of it. Yeah, I want to I want to cut back uh, real, real quick um, to, to, you know, that little part you're talking about with, uh, you know, creative Ryan. And just want to talk about if you could talk a little bit about your guys's relationship and, you know, the, the benefit that's brought both of you 
for your careers. Um, you know, I think it's it's very important for for those listening here, content creators, to to understand uh, you know the benefit and importance of building quality relationships with other entrepreneurs in the same space as you, and finding ways that you can help each other's businesses grow. Would love to hear just your perception on on your experience, uh, uh, you know, working with Creative Ryan, collaborating, and, and how that's benefited both of you thus far. Um, I think the relationship is vital. I think it, it, when you first start, you have the instinct to do everything by yourself because that's all you have. You know, yeah. you have to do everything by yourself. So yeah. you kind of get, uh, you get sensitive on the things that you create and you don't want to let other people put their hands on it because you don't think that they are going to be able to nurture this thing the way that you can. But a lot of the things that you love and you strive to create something similar to, you got to realize that this thing had maybe 50 different hands on it. You know, if I'm trying to make a video like Kyle and Tilly, I got to realize there's 60 other people helping him do this. It's not just him. <laughs> so you have to have that collaborative effort in there. But from a business standpoint, you have to be able to have someone capture you if you're the if you're the star of, of, of your of your movie. Like I have a YouTube channel. I have to be in the videos, you know, so I have to have somebody capture me at some point or another. Um, and I hear this all the time from other people who are trying to get into like filmmaking and they want to get into behind the scenes. They're like, man, I just don't have anybody to help me. I can't get, you know, professional photos taken of me. So I think it's very important for you to try to build that relationship with somebody around you who can take a photo. And it doesn't have to be a professional. Like my my other um, bro, uh, Tino, who does a lot of my behind the scenes content as well. It was a point in time where he didn't know how to do anything with a camera. Mm hmm. I literally just give him my camera and just, you know, just say, take a picture. And, you know, as long as you can set it up for him and aperture priority or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you get some decent stuff. Like it, you don't have to rely on a professional. You just have to have someone who's down for your journey and, you know, yeah. down to learn. But yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. A couple that more questions vital. here as we like start to wrap things up. How did you come up with the name YC? YC Imaging. <laughs> YC stems from a like a, a a super old nickname that I used to go by when I was like a teenager. Um, I used to like throw parties. Me and my boys used to throw parties, and like my name's Chris, so they called me Young Chris. So it was just something super stupid. Mm, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the name YC Imaging came about because, like I said, I was doing graphic design before I got into video. So I was trying to think of a word that can house photography and graphic design and video. And it was just imaging, so I just added it to the end. There I think the name is really stupid. I still do to this day, but it's stuck. <laughs> so I can't like, really change it at this point. Oh, that's <laughs> <it> is. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. I, I can relate to that for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like I think it's one of the dumbest names in the world, but it's stuck. And it's always hilarious to me when I see other people with like. DC imaging and I'm like, oh my god, I think th I think my name is so stupid and you copied it. <laughs> People always <laughs> screw with mine because you got inspiration from it. Cal visuals, but my name's Kyle, so everyone's always like, is you, are you Kyle? Are you Cal? Like, who are you actually? Like, <laughs> yeah, I had that. Yeah. I didn't know for a while either, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Dug my own grave with that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so YC, what would be a final message that you want to leave our audience with today? You know, we are young content creators, two, three, four years into the journey, trying to get to where you are today. What would be a message you, that you could tell your younger self of, hey, it's going to be all right? <laughs> okay. Um, my message would be know uh, where you're trying to go because a lot of the things that like a lot of the young up-and-comer, I guess, creators want don't even align with what they want. You know what I mean? Like if, <laughs> yep. if if my true if my true goal and my true aspiration is to be uh, a film director or to be a, a TV director, then me focusing on like me focusing on followers or like any other other things instead of or me focusing on the latest camera instead of me perfecting my craft, it just doesn't align with that. Mm -hmm. So know where you're trying to go and, and, and realize that certain things don't necessarily get you to where you need to go. And also just kind of piggybacking off of what I said about the latest cameras and stuff like that. Don't heavily invest in the things that don't get you money back. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of the cameras that come out, we're kind of caught into the cycle of upgrading to the latest camera every single time just because YouTube and the heavy influence of affiliate marketing. But whether you have an A7S II or you have an A7S III or A7S III, your client doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> your client doesn't care. They just want a good product back. So, you know, unless you're unless you're in situations where you're doing business and you're doing projects that require you to have a certain camera, you spending an extra two grand to get the latest version of your camera usually doesn't make a difference. Just focus on things that will, you know, heavily impact your image. If we both have perfect lighting and I have a T3i and you have a, a red camera, it's not going to make that big of a difference just because we have perfect lighting. Just focus on the lighting. You know what I mean? It's just a lot of other things when it comes to images that matter other than you upgrading to the latest Love piece it. of gear. And I know that, yeah, I know the T3i and red thing was kind of extreme, but <laughs> yeah, you get what I'm saying though. You know, no, for sure, it. man, for sure. You got to have a direction. You got to know where you want to go and you got to build on that from the very beginning so you can yeah. get there, you know? Um, I love it. Thank you so much for taking the time today, YC. It was a super valuable episode for yeah, all this. Appreciate it, man. Uh, for anyone that wants to follow YC on YouTube or Instagram, you can follow him at YC Imaging. You can follow our podcast at Learn Videography and also follow Industry Jump at Industry Jump. You can follow myself at JJ Angler or Kyle at Cal Visuals. But otherwise, this is Learn Videography signing out. Thanks again, YC. Super appreciate you. Hopefully, you have a super successful 2021 like the rest of our listeners. See you guys. Peace. Appreciate it, man. Wait, wait, wait. Before you guys go, we need you to stick around for just a little bit longer. You see, at the end of every episode throughout the course of this season, JJ and I are going to be breaking down some of the latest and most exclusive things going on in the industry. And we're saving this for you guys that listen to the end of the episode, the real dedicated MVP players that are looking to grow their video business because those are the people that we want to work with. So tune in at the end of every episode to hear the latest news that we're dropping, the latest products that we're dropping, and how we can all work together to grow our video business. Let's go. See you in the next one. We'll see you.